Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I'm your host, Tariq El For those of you who are new to Radio Islam, we welcome you. Thanks for taking the time to listen in. Uh, we are a live call in talk show broadcasting from Chicago on WCEV 1450 AM. And we are streaming live at www.wcb1450am. Good evening, folks. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you are keeping up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And remember, our shows are podcasted wherever you get your podcasts. Google Play, TuneIn, iTunes. Uh, did I leave anybody out? SoundCloud. I left out SoundCloud. You'll find us there also at Radio Islam USA. All right, Radio Islam family, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking. Well, no, that doesn't make sense. This isn't a talk show. Uh, but we're not going to waste a lot of time right now uh, because we've got four, uh, four special guests in studio with us today to talk about a very pressing issue. Many of you know that our immigration policy um, in the United States, it is in need uh, it's in need of attention, and it's something that's being kicked down the road uh, successively from administration to administration. And right now we are looking at a situation where those who are covered under uh, DACA, um, almost a million people, um, who, are, who are waiting to find out what is going to happen. And we've got four folks who are in studio with us today, four people that are on the front lines dealing with this issue head on. And we're going to talk about uh, what this means to them. So I'm going to go ahead and allow them to introduce themselves. I'm going to start with Agla. Hi, yes, thank you for having us here tonight. Uh, my name is Agla Marnoskaita. I am a queer Lithuanian DACA recipient, uh, and I have grown up in the southwest suburbs since uh, migrating to the U.S. Uh, in September of 2000. Um, I graduated from the Illinois Math and Science Academy in Aurora and just finished at the Illinois Institute of Technology uh, with a degree in biomedical engineering. Um, and I specifically have been working on a number of state level policies uh, that would affect the undocumented community, uh, most specifically the uh, Illinois Student Access Bill, which would give um, institutional aid to undocumented students in public universities, as well as a bill for tuition-free college that would include undocumented students. Um, and at this point, I am working with Reclaim Chicago and our Reclaim Southwest chapter uh, to elect Marie Newman against Dan Lipinski in the 3rd Congressional District and Daniel Viss for Governor of Illinois. Okay. Thank you very much. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. Hello, everyone. Um, thanks for having us um, here today. My name is Angelica Magana. I am uh, from Mexico originally. Um, I have been in Illinois since I was eight years old. I'm currently undocumented, but I was fortunate enough to be able to take advantage of um, DACA, which is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. Um, it's an Obama-era executive order, um, which provided a temporary relief to people such as myself. Um, I have been politically active since um, June 16, 2015, the day on which um, Trump announced his um, run for uh, the presidential nomination of the Republican Party. I am also one of the co-founders and leaders in a movement called Protection for All, an undocumented-led collective which focuses on advocating for protection from deportation for the 12 million undocumented immigrants in the US. I am also 
um, the chapter lead for an, organi an organization called Voto Latino, um, which is a not-for-profit focused on engaging and empowering young um, Hispanic voters. And thanks for having us here today. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, thanks. Uh, my name is Chirayu Patel, and I currently work for a real estate company doing accounting, financial accounting, and uh, asset management. But uh, I uh, also, just like everyone here, I grew up in uh, Illinois as well. I've been here from India since the age of 11. So that was September of 94, and I uh, have been here now for 24 years. Um, I went to elementary, middle, high school here as well. And then I graduated from University of Illinois at Chicago in 2006. Um, after, and at that time, I, as you may remember, there were a lot of immigration marches and I participated in those. And after that, I got into organizing. So I was organizing by the Vaughn Avenue, mm -hmm. which is where a lot of our uh, South Asian community is uh, from India, Pakistan, and rest of South Asia. Um, and, you know, through that, I learned that immigration uh, affects our community in a multiple different ways, whether it's that's from the security lens or just having access to our civil rights and civil liberties, our rights being respected. So um, I will be more than happy to talk about that experience there. And with that, I'll turn it over to Shabir. Okay, thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for having me, brother. Um, just wanted to say um, I was honored enough to have Angelica introduce me to this concept and invite me to share my story um, with, with the great audience tonight. Shirayu was another individual who's helped me um, share my sto story publicly. Um, unlike these three uh, other guests that we have today, I've kind of been behind the scenes, um, kind of just reaping the benefits um, through the good friends that I've had. Um, they've actually, they asked me a really good question. They asked me, how does it feel to be on the sidelines on a game-winning play versus be in the game and actually be in the play and take part of it? I thought about that. It actually meant a lot to me. And I was like, you know what, I'd rather be in there and, you know, put my full fourth effort in to be able to help make changes in what I feel is really important to a lot of people. Um, it's, it's an issue that I don't think gets enough attention on our perspective. And just to give you a brief idea of my background, I was brought here by my parents back in April of 88. Um, I was two years old. Um, since then, I was raised in Chicago, went through the public school system. High school, um, I had the fortunate, um, I was fortunate enough to attend Gordon Tech High School, which is now DePaul Academy. Um, from there, I was able to receive a full tuition um, scholarship to the University of Illinois, where I um, started studying pre-med and then lapsed over to philosophy because I wasn't able to apply for the MCAT at the time, mm. being undocumented. Mm. So it was, it was kind of life-altering. Um, so we'll, we'll, I'm sure, touch more upon that going forward. But once again, thank you for having us. Okay, thank you, Shabir. And uh, thank you all uh, for just, just sharing a little bit about yourselves. Um, I wanna start with, uh, with you, uh, Angelica, if I can. Um, as, we, uh, as, as we're talking about this issue of, of DACA, um, one of the things that uh, many people are not aware of is the, uh, is the number of people who are here and are contributing, uh, who are benefiting from the, uh, from the educational system, who are giving back uh, in just in many different ways. Uh, from, from your standpoint, uh, as an organizer, as an activist, what has been the response that you have gotten 
from uh, from the people that you're working with um, to, to where we are right now. Yeah. So in reference to people who are directly impacted, the response. Sure. Um, so I think the response in the community, as I've seen it, is one of just being tired of being used from election year to election year as pawns, as a political football to be thrown around from one party to the other. Um, at this point, we're just tired of that, so we are coming together as a community who's directly impacted and trying to mobilize ourselves and mobilize allies who want to su be supportive of the movement um, because our Congress people are not listening to us, and they're not listening to us because we have nothing to give back. We don't have a vote to be able to give you, so they're not listening to us. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to make sure that the white women, the white men, the people who come out and vote are listening to us so that they will call you and maybe you'll listen. Maybe the member of Congress will listen to them more because they tend to be more sensitive towards um, people who can actually give something back to them come election time. You know, we're, people are just tired of that. And that's why Protection for All came together. It's to organize our community, our directly impacted community, so that we can organize ourselves and then organize our allies. So I see a lot of shaking heads, uh, Radio Islam family, which you can't see. Um, uh, you have anything to add to that, um, Sharu, uh, Sharu? Yeah, I mean, I will share that, you know, in terms of uh, just to add a little bit more to the organizing. So uh, my first job in, um, you know, after graduating from college, when you couldn't, I couldn't get other jobs that I studied for, was I did organizing uh, on Devon Avenue area, you know, and that was going door to door, registering people to vote in our community. If they were not citizens yet, trying to encourage them to become U.S. citizens, right? Because I think the what we wanted to show was that our community, when it is united and organized and is voting, does have power, um, you know. And then so and when working with other communities that are affected, whether it's the Hispanic community, whether it's you know people from Europe that are also undocumented that are affected, or Middle East. Our Middle East. I think the main thing that we wanted to show is that Illinois, the face of Illinois, is very diverse. There's, um, you know, people from all across the world contributing, and all we're asking for is basic recognition of our civil rights, right? And to be able to be recognized that we're part of this country just as someone that was born here. And we've shown that through our actions every day. You know, whether it's our parents going to work um, or contributing to it, or us going to school, you know, studying and you know contributing to the country as to our community as well as to the country. And I think that w for the South Asian community, what I wanted to add is it's it's very difficult, right? Even in Dhaka, for example, participation rate by South Asian community is much lower than other immigrant communities. And there is a lot of historical baggage related, right? In the aftermath of 9-11, where I was organizing in Devon area, there are a lot of people that were picked up by the Immigration Enforcement Agency, and they had nothing in their criminal record. All they had was all of their information that they gave voluntarily to the government. So there is that a lot of fear, you know. So people like Shabir are, you know, taking a huge courageous step in terms of putting himself out there, right? And I think we want to understand that uh, we've been told it'll be happen next time. Next time, you know, we'll get it. It's, oh, it's those Republicans or, oh, it's these Democrats, you know. Mm -hmm. I think the question now is that 
we're here, you know, we're contributing. Um, your vote and the way you stand is going to show your true colors, and that's why we're pushing in every venue we can in terms of make sure that our community gets engaged and then holds our elected officials accountable. Okay. Agla, um, the United States is looked at uh, quite often, uh, despite its great diversity, as a very uh, as a very segregated place in, in a lot of in a lot of our urban centers. Sure. Um, do you feel that this this movement um, uh, of of people who are who are under this banner of DACA, uh, who are undocumented, uh, that it has caused you to maybe push past those lines that normally separate us, where within this movement there's there's uh, there's more of a coalescence, more uh, connection? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think. I've, I've personally, as someone who's undocumented and white, have been seeking out spaces where um, immigration is talked about as an issue affecting people from all across the world, you know, not just um, uh, merely a Latinx issue, which I think is, is problematic in a number of ways because then when it comes time for elections, like Latinx people are reduced down to this one issue. And we know that they care about a multitude of issues, as does every single voter. Um, I think seeing the work of the protection for all group um although i haven't been um like completely involved with it um to the extent that angelica has but i have attended some rallies and shared my stories um i've seen an intention of the youth who are directly impacted to make this a conversation um about the diversity of the undocumented community too um and, and to really move past this narrative of good immigrant versus bad immigrant. Yeah. Um, and really, I mean, that is a narrative that is based in whiteness, mm-hmm. right? Like someone like me won't be necessarily a target for ICE, whereas the people <laughs> really on this panel or in this room otherwise would be. Um, and that's just unfair. And I think I've tried to use my story to vocalize that as often as possible. Um, and really to to push other white undocumented people to speak out to because there's <laughs> far fewer of us being you know outspoken about our stories and really how we've been able to navigate the system more easily not you know completely but um, more easily than our uh, comrades who are uh, people of color and undocumented and, and that brings me to uh, Shabir came here at two years old and have been and have been doing well. Uh, God bless you. Yeah, and and um, but the point that you made that you were looking at um, medicine, right? But mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't pursue that. Couldn't in this country, no. Right, couldn't pursue it here. Um, so th- there's 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 something inherently wrong um, with that picture, right? But but you've stepped forward at this point now. Um, w- what are your thoughts about those who are uh, who, who are not, well, I shouldn't say that because I don't want you to have to judge anybody else, but uh, just tell us a little bit more about what has really pushed you forward at this point and what, what are you hoping to, uh, uh, to achieve? Okay, really good question. Um, and it, it breaks down to different, a multitude of answers. Um, one I can say is originally when DACA was introduced, um, there was an age limit introduced. And I understand why, but I don't, I can't fully appreciate it because the people that advocated for this policy to come in front of Congress to originate with were people that were excluded from the policy itself. Mm. Um, 
there are people that send the found set the foundation for people like ourselves to be here to have this open discussion with you freely understanding our rights knowing what we have and you know what we can achieve by having this having this open discussion um that said when i uh stated in my intro how i was studying uh, molecular cellular biology at the university of illinois and came to when i was an upper class to make a decision on continue to pursue this course or change to actually get a degree with all the work I've put in, I had to change it because I couldn't do it within this country. I feel like I may be to an extent, an extension of those individuals, but had they not taken those steps and put out this message and put this call to action, I wouldn't have had any of the opportunities I have currently. That said, I feel it's my responsibility, along with you know people that are on this panel tonight, to bring our message forward and let people know, you know what? Every little thing you do makes a difference, um, which leads me to another part of the answer I want to kind of take a tangent on and debunk some like myths about people that, that have DACA. Um, all people, and this is quoted directly from sources, people who are protected under DACA are criminals. Well, no, because we had to go through an extensive process um, with, with ICE, with DHS, to prove that we were had no criminal associations, no outstanding warrants, um, no felony charges, to even be... Um, uh, accepted into the program to be further interviewed. Um, we don't contribute to society. Um, that's also false. Um, most people with DACA that are recipients uh, pay taxes. They, they have jobs. We're, we're, you know, we, we give back to the community. Um, we broke a law by being illegal. One of the, const uh, one of the um, stipulations to applying for DACA is you have to prove that you were in this country on a certain date. Um, when you were under the age of 16, I believe, is that correct? That being said, you tell me when you had a, a when you were able to make a decision about your well-being in terms of where you wanted to be when you were before before you were 16 years old. That was, you know, not under our will, per mm -hmm. se. So yeah, people may have made what may be construed as poor decisions or not followed the right, you know, um, method of the course of action to help us going forward, but now we're here, you know, speaking out loud. Um, DACA recipients, like, take jobs. That's that's also not true. We, you know, we a lot of people. So myself, I with a few friends have started a company. We provide jobs. You know, there, there are people out there that provide opportunities for people to you know do better for themselves. Um, another thing is you know going to school for free, um, so on and forth. And I'm, I'm sure uh, Shraya and Angelica um, could probably touch on all these subjects. There's actually a lot of barriers that these individuals like ourselves fight to not only get on. A field, much less a play, even playing field. So um, it, it's not been easy. Um, why do I decide to come out at this point in time? Because I have people that are, I guess, on my team that have done a lot. And I think there's a lot that can be done going forward. Um, we have a voice. Um, and unlike maybe the prior generations that brought us here, they might not have been as educated. Not saying all people are. My mother has a degree from college, from India. Um, you know, uh, she came here wanted to pursue stuff, couldn't. My mom gave up her job to take care of and raise her children. Um, my brother left after he graduated um, from Knox College because he couldn't get a job. He ended up going back you know, to India, and you know, that weighed hard on me. That was my best friend. I was two years younger than him. I knew two years from now, if nothing changes, that's my you know, course of action. So um, being here right now, I'm here just to advocate to younger people, especially within our community, uh, like Indian South, South uh, East Asian, to know that by providing your you know, sense of information, um, you're not putting yourself 
out. You're, you're providing yourself with opportunities. Um, we need to let people know within our community that the ones that do have voices, that they can and should be heard, and we encourage you to use whatever um, policy, whatever method you can to advocate for such people. Okay. Uh, let me ask this, uh, Angelica. You mentioned earlier that um, the fact that you don't have a vote, but you do have a voice, uh, and the, the, the thrust is to get the ear of people who, who can vote. Um, who are those? Well, I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, in particular, you know, you're saying white men, white women, but this is something that affects, uh, that that should be something that resonates with with all, with all citizens, with all human beings, right? So, what has been the response thus far from, uh, from this diverse society that we have uh, in response to your voices? Sure. If I can just address a few things that Shabir said first. Sure, go right here. So whenever you hear someone use the word illegal to describe a human being, in an article, if they say it to your face, whatever they do, whenever they say that word, like just knock their face off. You cannot you you cannot use that word to describe a human being because it is not a noun. That's an opportunity to educate yeah. somebody. Yeah, exactly. It's an opportunity to educate That's someone. Right. Also, I'm not going to sit here and advocate for myself um, by throwing my parents under the bus. They may say that my parents, um, you know, broke a law by bringing me here. I tend to disagree with that. My parents were fleeing poverty, and they were making sure that I had somewhere to be. I'm not going to criminalize my parents and give something to um, this government in order for me to get protection, but then my parents are going to be criminalized. I'm not going to advocate for myself by saying this is my economic worth. That's not okay. My dignity should be why you want to give me protection because I am a human being and I deserve to be here and this is my country and this is where I was born and this it was born in me I mean I haven't born here but it was born in me and I deserve to be here as much as anyone else in this country um, but then to talk um, more about the response that I have seen in society last election last time that this government tried to pass a CR a continuing resolution without attaching the dream act um, they received a lot of backlash from communities who are on our side from their constituency the dream act is something that has over like 90 percent approval rate among registered voters we and higher in approval protection from for all. Republicans too. Exactly. Yeah. So this is an issue that a lot of people agree that needs to be addressed. And it can be addressed in a humane way where we are getting protection for the one million people who would qualify for DACA or who would qualify for protect protection or the DREAM Act without giving money for a useless wall, without giving money so that ICE and DHS can build more detention centers to hold human beings for profit in prison, without giving money for Border Patrol to continue persecuting people on the, at the border. This can all be accomplished because 80 to 90% of people in this country, registered voters, agree that it's an issue. So we have the backing of society, but we do not have the backing of our elected officials. They're not doing enough to push this issue forward. And this is something that also goes for Democrats. They're not doing enough. When they gave up and they decided to reopen the government with only a promise for Mitch McConnell to bring a vote to the floor, that to them, to me, was a slap in the face because we did so much 
to make it so that the field was ripe for them to do the right thing and hold and shut down the government for us. And then on Monday, they decided that it wasn't worth it. And they were going to reopen the government and Mitch McConnell was going to promise them a vote on a bill. Well, guess what? Now we are in a place where there was a vote in the Senate and they couldn't even agree on a bill without adding a whole bunch of poison pills to it, without adding criminalization of other undocumented people without adding more money into um, into a system that already has enough money to continue persecuting people without, you know, w with, with them wanting to cut legal immigration by 50%. That's where we are in this Congress. So at this point, we need to change the way that Congress looks because they're not working for us. Okay. Uh, well, let me ask this. Um, Unfortunately, the clock is extremely cruel to us. Um, what, uh, what for as far as protection for all is concerned, is are there any uh, any rallies upcoming? Any activities? Is, is there is there what ways can the Radio Islam uh, family listeners support? what uh, Protection for All is doing. Sure. So one of the good things um, that we have seen from this movement is um, ally organizations coming to us and asking us how they can help us. So, for example, we have formed a relationship with Indivisible Illinois, and they are um, mobilizing and helping us put together phone banks where we are connecting constituents in red districts to their elected officials um, to push them forward and push them on a solution that helps undocumented DACA folks without further criminalizing other vulnerable immigrants. So if you go to our page called Protection for All Movement, or if you go to our page called Dream Act Events, you will see a whole list of events coming up, including phone banks, where you can come in and make calls for us, where you can show up to a rally. We have a rally tomorrow, um, one in Barrington and one in Wheaton, in these areas where the Hispanic population is low, but we have a lot of allies here and they want to have a show of support for us in these very white affluent areas. So we have a lot of events coming up. Check out our page, Dream Act Events, and we hope to see a lot of our Muslim brothers and sisters there. Okay. I, I want to thank all of you all for coming in and talking with Radio Islam family. Um, and uh, just remember the, the, the website that you just got. Uh, and God willing, uh, the struggle will be one that's successful. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome back to Radio Islam. We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. And remember, folks, you can catch us on the TuneIn app now. So you can list, list to our live stream. Just go to TuneIn and pick us up at WCEV. All right, we're going to get back into our conversation. Uh, we have been talking about uh, DACA. We're talking with some, uh, some, some great folks from Protection for All, uh, Angelica. Shirayu yes. and Shabir. Correct. Okay. And, uh, well, so let me throw this question back out, and whoever wants to field it, feel free. Uh, what has been the, uh, the engagement or activity uh, with regard to uh, affecting policy? Uh, because that's really what we're looking at. We're looking at an impasse on, on bringing up an effective policy that's going to uh, protect everyone. 
Sure, and I can um, chime in on that. Sure, so, um, in terms of affecting policy, our strategy has been to mobilize phone banks across the state of Illinois. Uh, so, making sure that we are setting up phone banks every single week. And in those phone banks, what we do is we call constituents in red districts or Republican districts and explain the issue of the DREAM Act and why passing the DREAM Act as a standalone bill or as an attachment to a budget bill is important. Um, and then we ask the constituent to allow, uh, allow us to patch them through to their elected official so that they can leave a message of support for the DREAM Act and for DACA folks. Um, and that has been a strategy that we have been employing for the last two months, um, connecting with constituents and pushing forward a vote on a DREAM Act. And if we cannot get a vote on a DREAM Act, then asking for sensible legislation that at the same time um, as it is protecting DACA folks, it does not criminalize other vulnerable, undocumented people who would not qualify under a DREAM Act or other legislative options that are geared towards protecting um, DACA folks. Okay. Um, earlier, uh, Angelica, you mentioned, and of course this falls under our uh, disclaimer that the views expressed are uh, those of the, uh, uh, the, the the speaker and not those of Sound Vision, uh, that if a person was to call you illegal, you should, uh, would you say, smash them in the face? Uh, <laughs> that would be appropriate. <laughs> so I just want to put that out there. Um, but what has been the, uh, what has been the, not, not, not so much the response, but how have you gone about trying to deconstruct this idea of the, um, of, of the criminal uh, immigrant. Yeah, so one of the things that I was glad um, that Agla brought up um, prior is this good immigrant versus bad immigrant narrative, which is something that has been used within our own undocumented community to pit us against each other. So pit people who have DACA who are seen as this, um, you know, prestigious, um, deserving, kind of uh, perfect immigrant against those who may have a criminal record, who may have made mistakes in the past, who are not this perfect immigrant. So they've used it within our own community to pit us against each other. Um, and one of the things, and one of the reasons why Protection for All came together is to deconstruct this good versus bad immigrant narrative by being at the table when organizations who want to be allies, who want to you know, help us out, we're at the table making sure that the language that they're using does not harm other immigrants and is something that falls in line within the protection for all beliefs that we are asking for protection for everyone not just for this exclusive group of folks okay um Shirayu, how has this played out in the uh south asian uh community uh with regard to this this model minority um, ideology. How how is that how is that played out within a community? So yeah, you know, in our community, there's this sort of taboo, right? Or there's the shame factor, as that like, if you're undocumented, you really should not be speaking out about it, or you should try to you know 
you know, for, you should try to figure something else out rather than speaking out about it or reaching out to your elected officials. And I think what we're trying to do here by being on this show is to just demolish that by sharing our stories, right? No one, none of our families woke up one day and say, hey, you know what, we'll risk everything for 20, 30 years. Uh, all, but, the, you know, 20, 30 years with constant threat of, like, being deportation, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't think that. They said they wanted to build a life for their family and for their children. That's why they tried to do everything they wanted to do to give that opportunity to their kids, right? Whether they crossed here through a border or whether they came here, you know, on an airplane. And I think that what we're trying to showcase is that our immigration system is broken, right? For example, Shabir came here when he was two, I came here when I was 11, Angelica, eight. Um, People say, why don't you just become legal, right? Do you think we enjoy being in this uncertainty, right? If that was the case, people would have been in figure out, hey, which line do I stand in to figure that out? So I think that what we're trying to illuminate and highlight is that this is a broken system that's been around for a very long time and that it has been needed reform for a very long time. And it's just that our futures are being gambled with right now to score political points by certain elected officials and politicians and we just want to do the way we're responding is like by banding together sharing our stories and finding allies that also understand the situation that <clears throat> you know scapegoating us isn't going to help anyone else find a job scapegoating us isn't going to make anyone else feel safer and so the argument we're making is that this needs to be resolved it should have been done a long time ago and now is the time to do it so one way we're doing this is by being on the media right just sharing our stories so we've spoken with newspapers radio stations and also tv programs to highlight this because that's how we're finding more and more allies and supporters because they understand too that being here since you were the age of two and contributing to the only country you know as home is an American thing. You know, it's it's interesting you you bring this up as far as the the political football. I think both of you all, um, Angelica as well, has, has, has brought this up. Uh, what legislators, can you name any legislators right now that are uh, that are in communication, uh, that are speaking out, not just speaking in terms of, you know, the, the the fashionable rhetoric to say that we need to fix the problem, but any that have actually brought forth any type of uh, solution uh, or shown any real willingness to, to take le- a leadership stance on this issue. Yeah, so I can shed a little bit of light on that. Um, I think it's more most undocumented folks know who are very close to politics. Mm-hmm. Um, they know that Durbin has been a big advocate for undocumented people. He's one of the sponsors and um, originators of the Dream Act. But this is something that has been s- around for 17 years. So yes, he says he's on our side and he wants to help us. Um, but I feel like legislators like Durbin um, need to do more, especially when you are fighting for something that you wrote, that you co-sponsored, that you created, and it has been 17 years since you have put this out there and it hasn't been moving forward. Um, So yes, well, we appreciate his support. We need him to do more 
to push something that he created for because it's been stalling for 17 years. Um, you have people like Roscom, who is a representative, um, people um, like Lipinski. Roscom, he is a Republican, so of course he's going to vote with his Republican base. Uh, but we are also going to push people in Roscom District to force him to do something because there's a lot of people in Roscom District who are also in support of us. You have people like Lipinski, who is a Democrat, who has voted against us, and he li he's from a blue district. So we ha we're targeting these people who um, are full Democrats or full progressives to remove them for, from office, and then we're targeting the more conservative, uh, more um, in the middle, uh, moderate Republicans to push them to the left a little bit on the issue of DACA. So we, there are a few a few Republicans who are moderate who we're going to be targeting, such as um, Roscom, and then you have these fake progressives, fake Democrats like Lipinski who we are going to remove from office. And I think Shirayu. Yeah, I think, um, you know, so I think I definitely want to um, highlight Senator Durbin, right? He is actually the original co-sponsor of the DREAM Act from 17 years ago. And he actually wrote that bill not because of, um, you know, the first case he had was a South Korean undocumented person. Mm -hmm. So because, and at the time he realized that every year 65,000 people in a similar situation like that were graduating from high school across you know every every year so that's how you see the numbers of 1.8 million you know qualify for DACA so Senator Durbin is one Senator Gutierrez who is uh, retiring um, you know at the end of his term next early next year but he has always been a champion right I mean he's been talking about immigration way before even my Representative Jan Schakowsky, and she's great too, right? So he's been talking about it. And then in, in, from the Illinois delegation, um, you know, we are targeting uh, moderate Republicans like Adam Kinzinger, Rodney Davis, um, as well as some of the other conservatives like Roscom, Randy Hultgren, because, you know, they're smart people. They know that uh, to win an election, they're going to have to get 50% plus one. And we're going to talk to constituents in their district that are South Asian or immigrant and tell them that, you know, that this is, uh, you know, these are also constituents in your district. They're citizens and they vote and they donate. And this is how we're going to push by sharing our stories as to why this is necessary. Mm. Shabir, I want to ask you a question. As as a as a business owner, um, started a um, uh, you got a startup that, that you're working with, uh, and there's a lot of focus on the economic importance of the the small business of of, uh, of innovation, and to kind of look at this within the the, the the light of the 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 people that come here looking for economic opportunity, um, and then. To, to be here and be providing jobs, be providing opportunity, uh, taking really to, to take on this whole idea of this American uh, dream uh, and opportunity. What what are your what are your thoughts? I mean, you, to me, you said it best. It's it's my parents. Just like Angelica mentioned earlier, we can't criminalize them. They did what they did. They sacrificed everything they had for us to live out this this notion of the American dream. Um, as Troy, you mentioned, there's you know what sixty five thousand. Um, individuals at that time coming out of high school every year without any like way to pursue further education um, uh, it, it's just hurdles yeah you can come overcome them it's, a, it's been a lot of work a lot of effort um, it's a little 
discouraging to know that you provide all these things you're doing. You did everything by the book. You're doing all the right things, and you're still not good enough. Like, you know, it, it, it beats down on you. Um, and not having, you know, more than just a voice to appeal to the masses, um, not actually having a say in anything that's actually going to, you know, make a difference for us to go in and cast a ballot, it, you know, it, it, it hurts. Um, yeah, I mean, pain's a big deal. Pain, pain's a real thing. Um, emotions are at a high. Um, you know, you're talking about providing opportunities for people, finding a way to provide for yourself, A, then on top of that, also going beyond and, you know, helping other people, and then knowing that in the grand scheme of things, you're looked upon differently, and, and you're, not an, un, you're not an equal, um, it, it's painful. Um, it, it sucks seeing families torn apart, knowing I'm doing everything that I can. Um, um, I don't know, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of emotion behind it. Um, you don't you don't feel, even though everything you've done and accomplished and acquired, it's still not enough, you know. So we need people that have the ability to you know put into action what you know we feel would be a greater good for many, um, you know, is what we can do, and that's why we're here doing this. Um, I'm not going to quit doing what I do on a daily basis. I have to provide for myself and family, um, but it's tough. We, we do need assistance. And so whatever I can do, which is why I feel I'm here now, thanks to, you know, uh, people that are going through similar situations, it's good to know that there are other people that care and they want to make a change. Um, how we can go, how do we go about it is the next question, and I think that's why we're here. So um, it's, it's, tough. it's a lot of emotion involved, man. You know, I find it interesting uh, throughout the history of the United States, there have been different, uh, there have been different movements for suffrage, uh, whether it was women's uh, suffrage, whether it was the right for um, for black people, African Americans, uh, to be able to vote, have access to the ballot, uh, and this, I find, is probably just as um, it really mirrors those 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 struggles uh, in the respect that you have a group of people whose whose fate is being decided, uh, and they are not able to actually participate uh, in you know in casting a, a ballot. And Radio Slam family, I want to just remind you of something. Uh, if, if you forgot the ages that they gave you when they came here, uh, Shabir at two years old, uh, Shirayu at 11, and Angelica eight years old. Um, you, you would not think of, of, of sen sending anybody away from, from, from the land that they've been in for over 30 years um, for their entire life. Uh, you just, it, it would seem uh, unconscionable. How is it that, and whoever wants to, to jump in on this, how is it that that's not the sentiment, that's not the way people see this issue? Uh, how is it that we throw these terms of, 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 of illegal, we criminalize, criminalize uh, people seeking opportunity? What's at the root of it uh, in, in you all's opinion? Yeah. So um, Agla made a very good point when she was here. A lot of this sentiment, a lot of... Um, the history around criminalizing, scapegoating certain groups is rooted in white supremacy, and that is an issue that exists in this country, and, and it's an issue that we have to deal with and we have to get rid of, and we are, unfortunately, it seems like every day we are further away from dealing with it because no one wants to talk about white supremacy. Right. No one wants to talk about all of the issues that are going on in this country based on white supremacy. Um, we can talk about how black people were the scapegoat, how 
uh, when Italians came over, um, immigrated, they were the scapegoat, and then it was the Irish, and then it was the Jewish, and now it's, you know, Mexican people. And these are all rooted in white supremacy, that, you know, I'm better than you, I was here before you. Like, no, this is a land that belonged to Native Americans, and white people came over there, over here, and basically stole the land and constructed laws to protect white people from losing, doing the same thing that they did to Native Americans. Um, so when I hear people talk about, you know, illegals, talk about, you know, xenophobic terms, I'm just, it reminds me of, you know, we're, we're repeating history. Literally, it feels like right now with the way ISIS acting, a lot of people have been making comments about how it was how Gestapo, the Gestapo were, were acting and, Hitler's Germany. We're repeating history, and it's just something that was will continue to happen until we can have a very frank conversation about the roots of white racism in this country and how it is still a thing. Yeah, I think um, you know one thing. Uh, the other thing I would add in is that it's ultimately it's about power, right? In terms of that, uh, this is about a power imbalance, and I think that. What we are trying to do is that in terms of by pushing our narratives, narratives, pushing our stories out, is that we're, we're basically demolishing all the constructs that, you know, especially politicians. In terms of like our support, right, all the polls show that Dreamers or DACA meant have 90% support. That didn't happen overnight. You know, I remember about 12 years ago when I was doing, organizing myself in Devon, around Devon Avenue, I did not share my story with others, and it wasn't until few year, much, you know, until like 2011 that I became, you know, I publicly uh, was sharing my story. And it's understandable because even in the neighborhoods I was going and knocking on doors and trying to engage with people on if they were citizens, they were worried about that knock because who am I to knocking on doors asking, especially in a neighborhood that previously, you know, five at the time it was 2006, so four or five years ago had you know fbi or immigration or you know serve come in and pick up people someone's father got picked up and you know that was like the separation of family right so it is essentially that our futures our economic power are is essentially is being used is gambled with by elected officials for their own political points so the current i think the people are there with us the courage now needs to be with elected officials and that's what we're trying to push as much as possible okay um to, I, I agree with everything that was said um and to add on to it i think the football analogies are like we're pawns Ponsonberry game, it's, a, it's an agenda and it's a convenience factor. The story is going to be brought to light when you need to tell a story and get an image out there. And the media has a lot to do with this. Um, we need to get ahead of that and use media and social media and, and different methods to you know, get our story out there. Fortunately, we don't have the, the millions of dollars of funding that a lot of these other corporations and people that have to benefit from getting votes one way or the other do. Um, our thing is sharing our stories. Um, it's good people trying to do good things. Um, and I think that's what it is. It's just, uh, it's it's convenience. It's laying out a story to get the people that you got votes for and to keep them, um, let them know what they want to hear. And unfortunately, it's not always the truth. So I think that's one thing we need to change. I think the elected officials that are in office now, the ones that are trying to get votes, say what you want to say, get your votes, but you know, stick to your word. You know, keep your promises. That's all we ask. All right. Did you have a closing word that you wanted to to, to give uh, Angelica? 
Yeah, you know, um, thank you for having us here and thank you everyone for listening and make sure that you are voting. Register to vote. If you don't want to vote for any candidate because you don't like them, um, vote anyway. Vote in honor of someone who doesn't have that privilege like myself and others in this panel. I would love to have the ability to vote. Make sure that you're voting. Register to vote. There's a primary gubernatorial election coming up March 20th. Make sure you're voting in that. Make sure that you're voting and registering to vote for the next uh, primaries coming up in November 2018. And make sure you're getting ready to vote for a president because we need uh, we need new leadership. So vote, vote, vote. Register to vote. If you don't want to vote, vote for me. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I appreciate all of you coming in. Uh, keep up the great work that you're doing uh, and we pray that you continue to get the support uh, that's needed to to bring some closure yeah. uh, to this issue I think the one just very quickly that I mm -hmm. add in is like you know as Angelica said I'll say it again vote you know or register to vote and then for our community is that if you're not if you can become a citizen and not or a citizen are not a citizen yet apply for citizenship because that's how we show our power you know they can talk and throw us out as much as power but one by one as we partic participate in our democracy mm. that's how we build power okay absolutely all right radio slime family uh we appreciate you taking the time to listen uh we hope that you've heard something that's going to push you to action uh continue to support those who are who are doing uh this work uh, that is so important for so many people and with that we're going to close out uh this was this uh, episode was produced by Ibrahim Bake, the impressive one. Yes, he's back. Uh, I mentioned uh, yesterday that he was under the weather, but he is back and uh, he's back at it. All right, I'm your host, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. Um, our engineer, we want to thank whoever is over there. Uh, make sure that we've, we're coming through loud and clear at WCEV. And uh, what's the other thing I've got to mention? My disclaimer, I've got to mention the disclaimer. I'm going to mention it again. Uh, the views expressed by the host and our guest, uh, anything about punching anyone, uh, these are all to be attributed to the speaker and not to Sound Vision Inc. Uh, and uh, that, I'm going to, with that, I'm going to leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.